Tomina, Tomina, Tomina Parry. What's that? I'm just excited to extend your name now. I've just got so bored of saying Thomas Ross Parry that I'm just going to say Tomina, Tomina, Tomina Parry. Cool. Good. I mean, I mean, I understand from your perspective this is going to take a bit of work. You're going to have to do some paperwork, you know, get a new parental mm. driver's license, get a new passport, get, you know, your bills and stuff changed. Mm. I'm willing to facilitate the cost. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Good. Well, Tom and a Tom and a Tom and a Tom and a Parry, let's start a podcast called Tom and a 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 and Matt Attack. That was quite good. I like how you salvaged it at the end. I I know. I was I was grasping at straws. I knew I could take it somewhere, but they were out of reach. How are you doing, Tom Parry? You good? Um, don't you mean Tom and a Parry? The artist Tom, formerly Tom, known Tom, as Tom, Tom Parry. How are you doing? You see, I'm even trying to extend it into the episode. Uh, yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Yes. Uh, have I got much to tell you this week about video games? A fair bit, a fair bit. I've been having some musings because I've been out a uh, few times. Into went to High Wycombe yesterday. Never been High Wycombe before. Um, really, quite a lot there. I'll tell you. Uh, until if you want to do some shopping, it's quite a, a good place to go. Yeah. Um, and I've got you know some reflections on video game shopping. Okay. To 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 uh, to share with you today. My expectations are high, Wickham. Um, I, on the other hand, have been playing more Fortnite. I will brush over that. Turns out, yes, I'm enjoying playing more Fortnite. I'm getting quite good at it. The season ends next week, and let's see if I play beyond that. But at the moment, I want you will. my I'm gold sure you Doctor will. Strange. I probably won't, to be honest with you. Like, It's a nice thing to dip in and out of, but I, right now, I'm chasing the better skins in that battle pass because I'm like, I think I'm good enough to get this XP in this time by playing a short amount of time. Hmm. Maybe I should try and do that. So let's see. But eh, let's see how that goes. But other than that, I've just been playing two games that I'll talk about on the Switch. One of them a very positive experience. One of them not so much, unfortunately. But that is what it is. But tell us, Tom Parry, about your time in High Wycombe. Yeah. Your musings, then. I'll talk about that first, because I have played one new game this week, but I can't... I haven't really got too much to say about it. So, I think, yeah. I'll talk about High Wycombe. Uh, They have a video game shop called 24-7 Games. I was like, oh, right. Oh, I've heard of this. I think I follow them on Twitter. Have you? Okay, well... I tell you what, I couldn't find much there of any interest. But it, it made me realise that it all just sort of blurs for me now. If I walk in a video game shop and I see a load of video games, I'm like, oh no, there's too many to look through. Because when you reach a point, I think, when you've got a lot of video games, as you will know, yeah. it's sort of like the likelihood you finding anything particularly interesting is very slim and it becomes really hard work going to a shop and going through a load of video games. If they're not sort of curated... I think is a question because yeah. it's not like that when I went to uh, Retro Hunter, of course, because it feels to me like he knows what he's got. He knows what people want or are interested in and he puts 
out those games. Yeah. You know. Uh, whereas if you go somewhere like the shop I went to yesterday, it's just like, I think the PS2 or Wii section was just loads of copies of uh, FIFA or Pro Evo or whatever. It's just, or, or other games to see a lot of SingStar. Um, it was just every copy that they had. They just wanted so to fill D- up the shelf. It's a Danish charity shop, <laughs> you're telling me. It felt a bit like that, I have to say. And do you know what? I just thought to myself, I'm not, I'm not bothered. I don't even want to spend the time. You know what? I, I, didn't, I, had, I had a glance enough to see that really there was nothing there of any interest. And I did think to myself, well, what is it I'm actually after? And nothing yeah. was sort of springing to mind. I do find just lately... If I'm buying a video game, it more often than not be an import game, usually a Japanese game, uh, because, you know, those aren't games I see around a lot. And, uh, yeah, so, so they're the games I'm, I'm particularly after, because I feel like I've done the PAL releases, you know what I mean, for, for most consoles. It's sort of like, yeah. there, there's only one game, interestingly, that I ever think about when I walk into a shop like CEX or this game shop, and I was like... You know what? I really quite like. Would like to get uh, the Simpsons game for Xbox 360. That's the wow. only thing I can ever think of when I walk into one of these shops. So I always go and I go. Cause it's all the thing I can remember. It's about as much as my brain can take. You know, because yeah. I'm not like a, a database. I haven't got my whole VG Collect database wish list in my head. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think of this Simpsons game, right? Uh, and full auto. Funnily enough. The first oh, I one. love Full Auto. <laughs> Even the second one's good. I I bought the second one in Denmark for the for the PS3. I still haven't played it, but I love Full Auto. Yeah, it's one the, of my guilty pleasures. There are other games. One of them was um, Sega Superstars Tennis, which I didn't have for Xbox, but I had it for PS2. And I was like, oh, I'd like to get the Xbox version of that. Right? So I picked that up quite recently. It's a very affordable game, but you don't always see it. Uh but yeah, I feel like I'm really scraping the barrel when I go into shops now because I don't really want to spend a lot either. And I know that Simpsons game has become quite collectible. So if I was to go into, say, CEX, uh, that would have been more money than I would be willing to pay. But if I found it in a charity shop or something, we went in a few charity shops, but I didn't find anything I didn't really have or anything that sort of I interested imagine, me. I imagine, to be honest with you, if you have a shop like that there that is willing to take things like SingStar and FIFA, they are probably someone is probably doing the rounds and taking them to the shop for in-store credit, I imagine. Yeah, quite quite possibly. Yet, you know, there was nothing I saw there. They have a lot of DVDs as well and Blu-rays and, and such. In fact, half the shop was DVDs and Blu-rays, which is fine. Yeah. It's interesting, but I didn't even feel like going through them. Do you know what I mean? Uh, fair enough. So, so it was like I felt really lethargic. I felt really fed up and uninterested. And it's rare that I will see, um, go into a shop, a high street shop, and see a video game and go, oh, I really want that. And even when I went to Ali's shop, uh, the Retro Hunter, there, there wasn't, there, actually, fair enough, there was a few. But, uh, I was going to say, like, you know, Tom, you talk to me about but, wanting this and that. And yeah, but if, if I go back stuff. in time, if I go back in time a few years, and I'd entered that shop a few years ago, I think I would have been, had a very difficult time, more difficult than I had, deciding what is i wanted and i'm happy about that in a way because you know this whole video game hunt sort of yeah i'm happy that it, most of it's done with do you know what i mean yeah i get you because you're never going to have enough time to play all these games no uh, you might get a game and you play it for a couple of hours and then you might never touch it again and so yeah yeah 
I mean, to be fair, that is the way you tend to experience video games. Like, for me, if I if I am playing a video game, I will try and see it through. Or like one of the ones I'll talk to today, I just decide, no, this is not for me, and then I move on. Well, nowadays, I feel like if I want, you know, I don't spend a lot of time playing video games. And when I do play, I sort of like, well, I know what I like. Uh, I'll play a bit of Street Fighter 2. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you. So, so like... it's sort of like... I'd love to be a little bit more open-minded and try new new things more, but sometimes I just want that, you know, instant I, I satisfaction. I mean, I go both I go both ways on it, right? Like I, I can go to a place like uh, Retro Hunter, um, Ali's shop, or I can go to Super Tomato in Cardiff. These, for me, are shops that are heavily curated. Like, the Game Boy stuff is in one section, the Mega Drive stuff is in another section. Like, they know what people want as well. Like, they've got tons of stuff in the back, and you can ask, like, hey, have you got Outrun for the Master System? And they're probably there's probably a good chance they have. But they know that that's not what everyone is going there for, especially in my case, right? Because I'm buying, generally, tat for the Game Boy Color that no one else cares about. Um, And obviously, like, that's a very short list that I have now. It's like 20-odd games. So yeah. I will go into a place and I'll say, like, hey, have you got any of these? And then people might go, oh, I think maybe I do, whatever. But there is a flip side to that, where in Copenhagen, especially here in Denmark, you have had the pleasure of going to Ruben and Bobby, which is a hairdresser's um, that is also a retro toy and game shop. Mm-hmm. But you, that is like an event. It is like, okay, I am going to Copenhagen to look for toys and games, which I do every now and again. And I will go to Ruben and Bobby, and there's also a very good retro shop here in Copenhagen called Nintendo Pusher, and like the Nintendo Pusher. Yeah. And at the moment, they're currently closed, annoyingly, so before you all jump on a plane, they're doing refurbishments. Um, they have a massive stock, and they've got really good stuff, but it is a huge store. And they just have a lot of things. So unless you go in with a specific idea of what you're looking for, you soon become overwhelmed. Yeah. And I, what? much yeah. like you, have a very short list. Like I will scan a PS2 collection to see if there's a copy of Q1, which is a game I regret not buying to this day. I will go into, obviously, the Game Boy Color stuff and look what I'm looking for. I might have a quick look through the Game Boy Advance things to see if there's anything I want there. But generally speaking, I will go into a retro game shop with an idea of what I want, which is what I did with Ali. I was like, okay, I obviously I'll look for the Game Boy Color stuff I'm missing, but I know my hand on heart, like there are three or four Master System games that I would really like to buy and play at the moment, and fortunately he had them. So for me, it's it's a different expectation. Like if I want to go into a place just to browse with no idea of what I'm buying... I would much rather do that in a curated store. If I have the time and I'm going there with the mindset of like, I'm going to have a route around and maybe I'll find a bargain, which is what I do at flea markets or like these loplets, these indoor Mm. flea markets we have here in Denmark. But you enjoy that. I do. I really like that looking for stuff Mm. thing, but I, I can't remember if I talked about this on the podcast. I, yeah, no, I'm sure I did. The fucking the Hideo Kojima book, which wasn't very good, and this yeah. idea that he said he goes to bookshops and like he's honed his design eye by looking in bookshops. I feel like I've kind of done the same thing with flea markets. Is that I look for visually interesting things. Like that's why I go to flea markets. Is how I recharge as a designer to 
get creativity. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, it, it's a weird thing that I didn't really realize about myself, but you know, I just I end up looking at things and going, "Wow, the type on that record cover is really cool," or "Wow, I really like the color combination on this very strange biscuit tin." Like, you get exposed to stuff <laughs> that quote. you wouldn't. Yeah, but you get exposed to stuff you wouldn't otherwise see. And so when I'm doing that, I'm not only scanning for visually interesting things that I honestly I don't need to buy. I will just take a picture of and go, "Wow, that's really mm. cool." And then if I'm lucky, I'll see video games. And if I'm lucky, I'll look at them and go, oh, wow, actually, cool, a copy of Haunting Ground for the PS2 or something along those lines. Hmm. But I don't go to those places now expecting to find something. I go to be amongst it, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I personally, for me, I've, I've reached a point in my life where I just have too much stuff. Yeah. And so... It has to really be either something that I need and adds benefit to my life or something oh, yeah. that I really, really want to own. For example, I just bought all of One Piece. Like, mm. I, I'm the same. It, yeah. it means so much to me that I want to physically own something so I have access to it. And, you know, the way the world's going and all weird digital content barriers we're putting up, that becomes trickier than trickier. So having a physical copy much like you collect movies that you really like i like having that stuff but it's becoming less and less important to me like i have all of my hero academia at the moment i'm probably going to sell that because i'm reading it and going through it and i enjoy it but you know if if worst come to worst the house is on fire it's not like the first thing i'm running and going oh my god my copies of my Hmm. hero academia you know that says how much you quite easily yeah, you, you 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 like it, I suppose. But yeah, I think you get to a certain yeah. age and you sort of work out what it is you like. I think a lot of the time you're discovering new things, you know, and trying new things, and you may spend money on purchasing these things. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think later on when you get to a sort of our age, you sort of like, well, I know that I like Dragon Ball, you know, or something like that. Yeah, and so so you you focus in on these things. Because you, yeah, but you could I mean, be denying yourself something else you've not quite discovered yet. Is 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 the thing? I suppose um, with One Piece, you know that that had not been on my radar for such a very long time, and through your passion for it, I also uh, discovered it. So it is interesting. Anyway, going back to the game hunting part of it, yeah. <laughs> um, I did buy one game when I was uh, out, and it was a game I already own, of course. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say Tom and a Tom and a Tom and a Parry the record clearly states so you were like oh I go into these places I can't find anything I want oh I did buy one game that I already own <laughs> yeah so um, I bought a copy of Shenmue 2 for the Xbox oh <laughs> uh, why you already have one no unfortunately my copy doesn't work uh, it worked for a little bit and then the disc uh, wouldn't read it kept saying it was dirty uh, and I liked playing this in in a specific place. Uh, when I see my friend Gareth, when I'm back at my parents' house, yeah. uh, I play. We like to play Shemu too, and uh, we were playing the Xbox version because we wanted to go through it with the English voices because we yeah. never played through it like that before. We just played the Dreamcast version, so I was like, "Oh yeah, I got this copy for the Xbox years ago when I was in Denmark." And looking that up, it cost me two hundred kroner. Yeah, I remember. Believe it or not, I was annoyed because I wanted it because I want. I don't. 
I don't have the Shenmue preview disc, so can I please have your Shenmue preview disc? Well, I've got, I've got, I've got a fun little story to tell you about that. Okay, so um, yeah, I like to have this uh, so I can play it with Gareth. And so we we went, we were really disappointed when we got so far, and then it says your disc is dirty, and and it didn't look dirty. We tried cleaning it. There was yeah. it already been through a game cleaner because a friend I have uh, used to work at uh, game and clean the game yeah. for me. Still didn't work properly so when i saw this it was eight pounds it says uh show me two without dvd eight pounds oh, damn it and yeah. i was like perfect without dvd i don't need that i've already got that i just picked this up for eight pounds it seems a lot less than i paid for it in denmark a few years ago and i can replace my disc and i can play it with gareth you know yeah uh, i didn't need it of course i have the hd collections you know yeah i was gonna say <laughs> but how my setup is at my parents' house when Gareth comes over, I thought, I, I can't necessarily play them very easily. So I thought, have this. You know, my Dreamcast currently isn't working. I need to take it apart and uh, fix it again. Uh, that's the one at my parents. So yeah. I was like, right, I'll get this. Eight pounds, not a lot. I got to the, the, the till and he's like, oh, okay, I'll just have a look for it. I can't find it. And he comes back and he's, he didn't talk exactly like that, yeah. but I'm trying to create a character here. For for a bit of entertainment. Good. What's this character's name? John. John. How Let's old is John? How old is John? John's yeah. probably a bit young. He's probably twenty five. Let's say. Okay. Okay. I John's twenty five. Spectacled. You know, a um, little bit chubby. Not fat. Um, well mannered. Uh... <laughs> anyway, John, it... goes yeah. John goes John, off. John goes off. John goes off. He goes. He looks like he's taking a lot of time, and then he speaks to his manager there. He says. Okay, so uh, the customer wants to buy this copy of Shenmue, but um, we don't have this copy. We only have a copy with the DVD. He's speaking about the second disc, which is the DVD, Shenmue the movie. He says, and this one is £10, right? So £2 more for the DVD. And he goes, okay, well, you can't sell him the one for £8. Ask him if he wants the one for £10. So, So he said, Okay, so he explained the situation to me. And I was like, well, I don't really need the DVD because I've got the yeah. DVD. I said, I just want to replace the game disc. He said, oh, well, you have to buy this one if you want it. And I'm, I thought, well, so for the sake of £2, I go, yeah. okay, yeah, I'll have it. Can I have a look at the disc, though, just to make sure it isn't scratched a buggery? So, you know, I actually yeah. might guarantee myself a working copy. <laughs> and so so he <laughs> comes out and he shows it me. It's got like, oh, yeah, something... Uh, something around the edge, white around the edge of the disc. And he says, oh, yeah, that's a bit rough, doesn't it? I'll run through the disc cleaner for you. Should I do a five minutes on that? And he says, it looks like paint. Right? What? <laughs> now it's like, okay, fair enough. Anyway, uh, so he ran it through the disc cleaner. It turned out all right in the end. And I was like, okay, okay yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, ten pounds. So the long and short of it is, I do have a second copy of Shenmue Good. the movie. You know what, Tom Parry? I... <laughs> I will happily give you two pound for it. Therefore, you retain you your eight pound purchase. I will, I will happily give it to you. How about that? Oh, you beautiful man, you. <laughs> so um, that's that. That's my little story. And I was playing it this morning, and it hasn't. Um, I haven't had any issues with the disc. Playing it on the three hundred and sixty, yeah. of course, because that's. Uh, better way to play it on my telly than use the old xbox yeah who's gonna um, play john in in the the oscar winning remake of that oh, story when they make it well i never really finished off john's story he said he said like, i'll clean it up for you and i'll come and find you if you want to have a look around oh. and, and and he found he says here you go and i was like if you have any problems you know you can return it yeah good john isn't a very interesting character come to think of it 
I mean, you should have fleshed him out more. I mean, you yeah. know, what about his years in Peru? About mm. the time that he fought off a saber-toothed tiger, which he thought was long extinct, which was in a basement yeah. in uh, Barnsley. But I tell you, know, you one thing about—I tell you one thing about John—is he knew what Shemu was, and he knew Good. to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> so how, obviously how else could you pronounce it? Well, I used to call it Shenmue. Sh- Why? Well, that's always how my uncle um, pronounced it, and that was the first oh. time I played Shen Shenmue. And that's like, you almost oh, Shen said Mew. Shenmue again, then, didn't you? <laughs> what? You almost said Shenmue again. Well, that's how I say I used to uh, pronounce I'm, it. Anyway, I mean, he knew fair, what I it was. I pronounced Ryu as Ryu for like that's all of my life. It's all so fine. It's fine. It's all fine. Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden, whatever. Yeah. Um, the shopper, the, the the manager, I think he was talking to though, was like, "Yeah, I don't care what it is. I don't know what it is." It's like, "Yeah, whatever. Just tell him to buy the other oh. copy if he wants it." You know. So it's like, but I thought I like the time he says, "Not even just go to him and say this game, this just random game." It's like, "This is Shenmue." He was treating it with some sort of respect. Do you know? He wants so to buy the copy of Shenmue. Very important video. So you're game. telling me that John is a fool. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm, I'm saying John, John knows his Shenmue. He knows I mean, his Shenmue is important. If it was a copy of Yakuza 2, I could understand John's rivalry, but you know. Yeah, but if it's a copy of Yakuza 2, it would have been far too expensive. That is true. I think it's actually come down in price somewhat now because okay. they actually, weirdly, I think I Am 8 Bit did a reprint of those PS2 games because they were so popular because mm. before the. Uh, the remakes for the PS4 that I've forgotten the name of. Oh my god, my Yakuza knowledge is seeping up my brain. Um, yeah, so I think the PS2 versions of it came down. I actually saw a boxed copy in CEX for about 50 quid, I think, when I was home in October. So, mm. yeah. Good game. Should be available to more people. I mean, you can go play the the Koami versions and enjoy those as well. So, go do that. There is something interesting about the the price of these games nowadays. Um, Amazing Spider-Man Two on the Xbox One, fifty-two pounds. What? I I know this because I've looked for it in the past years ago. Because I was like in my mindset of I need a Spider-Man game for every console. So I was oh, like, what? Christ. And that's when I discovered that uh, that is the only I think the only strictly Spider-Man game for the Xbox One. Oh, actually, now that you say this, yeah. A colleague of mine was trying to find that game. It might have been for the PS4. Did it also come out on the Wii U? Like my colleague was trying to find that game. I think it just generally had a low print run. I've got if it on the Wii. Me to look Wii... Out for it. I think I've got it on the Wii U. Yeah, I think it came out on the Wii U yeah. because I th- I, rem- I distinctly remember now we were talking about this. Mm. My colleague saying they were trying to get it for their kid for Christmas and they couldn't find it anywhere. And I think I picked up a copy in the UK for them in the end. Mm. So that <clears throat> oh god. Something in my throat. There you go. So um, that's still an expensive game. Just I mean, one of I... them odd ones. Because you scan through and you look for anything interesting CX and you think, well, that's going to be expensive. And it's like, oh, it usually is. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. I mean, I got a copy of um, Spider-Man Friend or Foe uh, recently yeah. for the 360. PS2. Oh, 360. Uh, for the 360. And I was quite surprised that that's like 30, 40 quid. Spider-Man is still so popular. I recently went out and did some market research for my job, and I was looking at licensed products uh, on the shop floor. I was looking at a lot of apparel, a lot of toys and things like that. Spider-Man is still huge. Spider-Man is still the number one boy's toy character, I would say. Well, it's not surprising to me. I mean, if you look at not only 
the the success of the films but i mean it's still the number one selling comic which is why there's like six of them a month now even playing Fortnite, i'm always surprised at the amount of spider-man skins that people have even purchased to go into mm. that game so it, it doesn't spider-man sells people can can't get enough spider-man yeah which you know is a shame because peter parker's a pretty boring character peter parker Peter Porker. Peter Porker is a more interesting <laughs> character. Spider Pig for the win. Um, there you yeah, go. That's, so... that's really the end of my little story. Just just musings on um, video game hunting in the UK, in High Wycombe specifically. Yeah. <laughs> video game hunting in the UK. But I'm not, <laughs> as I say, I'm not that into it because unless you go in someone like the Retro Hunter, it's not very exciting when you've got a lot of video games. <laughs> What I hear is you're becoming a crotchety old man, and I respect it. Um, So I've been playing some video games, not just trying to buy them. Um, I went to my local library, i.e. my Game Pass, um, because I definitely will not be purchasing that upgrade for the PlayStation. Um, And I I sifted through the Switch titles, as I want to do. They had some new games in, which I was like, oh, great. This is the first time, I think, since maybe the start of the pandemic that I've actually seen them actively get in Switch titles. So I was like, grand, I'll grab some of these. Um, the PS5 titles I can never get because as soon as they come in, I think they're immediately put on the waiting list for people because I think there's like seven games coming out for the PS5 every six months. And so people are like, please give them to me. Um, and so I I went through, they had Story of Seasons, which is the good version of Harvest Moon because somehow that license is apparently fractured over the years. And so Marvelous, who is now making Rune Factory also, owns the story of Seasons, which is the actual Harvest Moon team. And apparently Natsume is continuing to put out Harvest Moon games, but they're not made by that studio anymore. And so mm. there's two Harvest Moons, and apparently Story of Seasons is the good one. So I was like, okay, I wouldn't mind playing a Harvest Moon game again. I don't want to get roped into Stardew Valley. That seems like a lot, but I, I do like a Harvest Moon. So I was going to play that. But the thing that caught my eye was a game called Effie that I hadn't heard of. And F E, as in the letters F and E. No, as in the name Effie. E double F I E. Um and I looked at it and the, the colour scheme and the character on the front, somewhat reminiscent of Bastion, flicked it over as like, oh, three D platforming adventure. I was like, okay. I can I can play with that. That sounds like something that'll be a nice treat to myself on a Saturday afternoon. He looks like um, Geralt. He does look like Geralt. Um, and he plays like Rascal, at least on the Switch. Um, unfortunately, and I, I have watched lots of footage this morning of the PlayStation 4 version of this game, which originally came out in 2019, developed by a small Spanish studio, which, literally looking at their website, they called him Verge Studios. They are six people and a dog, <laughs> for all intents and purposes. It's a very, very small development house. Yeah, yeah. And I I checked how long to beat it. said this game's like three and a half hours. I was like, okay, great. That, that will be an evening's worth of play. I can do that. I can get in. I can get out. Nobody gets hurt. I it's also on the the Xbox One and PC as well if you're interested. So I'm assuming maybe Tom actually you can have a look see if it's on Game Pass oh, and yeah. maybe report back if that version is better. Because I I have never felt the the ire of people going ah the Switch version's terrible and playable. 
mm. as much as I presume is the case with this game. Um, for starters, everything has a very watered down look to it and like even looking at some of the the footage of the PlayStation 4 version of this game it felt more vibrant it didn't like I don't think they've knocked down the geometries of things because the grass was literally like a single thing flicking back and forth like a frame and I was like oh this is really weird this feels really low budget Um, which I think is a disservice to that game because in motion on the PS4 it looks quite good um, you play as a character. You say, ironically, his looks like Geralt. His name is Garland. Um, he doesn't in game look so much like Geralt. Seeing the screenshot, no, he doesn't. So, but the, a, the cover does have man. that vibe yeah. to it. But he essentially, he the story is you are cursed by a witch, and he is made into an old man because he wouldn't help this woman who turned oh. out to be a witch. Well, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean the 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 trappings of how the story is told are done through like a, um, a person telling a story to their grandchild, presumably, who is named Effie, which is why the game is called Effie. Oh, now that's um, unique too. Yeah, I I think that's okay. What isn't okay is that on the Switch the controls are very finicky for a 3D platformer. They feel very early PS One. Um, and there were times oh, where I You've was trying... You've done it trying... again. It's like Monkey King all over. Yeah, but like... So Monkey King and the game that I was playing last week that has a very long title that I've forgotten the name of feel reminiscent yes. of that era, but at least they have modern-day polish. Yeah. In fact, I saw Monkey King in game the other day. £1.50, I still didn't buy it. Yeah, it's not it's not worth one pound fifty, Tom. <laughs> to be fair, the art style is worth Yeah, no, I, 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 that's what also drew me to it, but... I was like, "What's the point? Why, why, why should I get this? It's one fifty, but I'm just giving one fifty away." Exactly for a game you're going to play for five minutes and go, "Oh, Matt was right." Yeah. Anyway, it it is very, it feels very rigid, which is a shame. And when you eventually get into combat, essentially you get a Captain America style shield called the Runestone, mm-hmm. and you were fighting enemies, right? And on the Switch, like looking at the gameplay on the PS4, it seems like it's very quite fast anyway, and the character moves very quickly and like dots around. Mm. But this frame rate on the P- on the Switch version of it, it's just awful. It feels yeah. like you like you're doing one frame actions. You know, like a very oh, very dear, early Matthew. Atari game where it's just like, okay, I was here, now I'm here. Feels like you're blipping around the fight rather than being in it. Mm. And then there's a lot of platforming that I said is hindered by the fact that it feels very rigid, at least in the Switch version. And the load times are some of the worst I've experienced on the console. This sounds like a pain all round. It was, honestly. Like, I got a chapter into it, and, like, some of the enemy design is interesting. Some of the world design seemed okay. Like, there was a big bit where I was in a, a lumber mill, and essentially what you're doing is you're turning on the different parts of this lumber mill and then have to escape through a gauntlet of like moving blades and stuff. And there was one part where I turned the switch on and then I was in a giant room and it had a rotating saw blade that was not only coming from behind my character, so I had to think of when I needed to jump. But essentially, if I couldn't get over that obstacle, I kept getting kicked back to a load screen that took... I would say 
somewhere around three to four minutes a time. No way. I swear to God, really, really bad. But it felt like that at least. Can't be that long. Honestly, Tom, I would put down the controller and pick up my phone and browse Twitter a bit and then put the controller... Open world games take longer to load, uh, less time to load than that. It is very rough on the Switch. Um, Mm. I was going to, for the fairness of the game, because as I said, I think some of the enemy design, I think some of the world building and some of the the the, uh, the motif of the storytelling is quite interesting. So I was like, okay, I wouldn't mind playing this game, but mm. it's 150 kroner on the PS4. And I was like, okay, maybe yeah. I'll wait until this comes on sale and play it later. That's not to discredit the work of the studio. So you think it could be a good game? It's just a Switch port is not good. I think it could be all right. I don't think... I'm not going to say, like, I reckon the PS4 version of this game is an absolutely amazing experience you need to play. But I think it would be a good game. And I think that is... Hamstrung by the switch and all of these ridiculous things like really bad loading times, yeah. really bad control optimization from the fields of things. But it's just it's not been optimized for the switch. You know? I just think it has not been optimized. They've not taken the time to optimize the game to run the best it can on switch, which well, is a I mean, shame. And you do see it occasionally, don't you? You do, and I mean, like this is admittedly porting a somewhat late PS4 game to a switch, which might be its own issue and they are a small team so like it is what it is but i was very very did they port it themselves or did someone else port? i did check they did port it themselves it was published by a different studio though so anyway i was a bit sad because i i was i got into the start i was like "Mm, this looks a bit rough but Mm. this is an interesting premise of you telling a story and it's like well the character is old telling the story to a young child so did he managed to reverse being old. It sets up quite well, but I was just... It's been a long time since I've just gone, you know what, I've got better things to do than wait for these load times and turn the game <laughs> off. No, that's a shame. Okay. Yeah. Well, I played uh, Track to Yomi, which yeah. is now available on Game Pass, and I was struck by... Obviously, the visuals. It's, it's an astounding-looking game. There's nothing else quite like it, I don't think, unless maybe Ghost of Tsushima with its uh, Kurosawa filter, um, perhaps. Uh, Potentially, but I think the they're two different. Of... I think they're two different games, and I think because Trek to Yumi is such a short game, I think it's curated a lot more because obviously mm. Ghost of it, it, it uses fixed camera angles. Um, I think sometimes the black and white aesthetic doesn't lend itself that well to the gameplay because it's maybe not always apparent who it is you need to speak to or what it is you need to interact with. Right. It, it You know, it's not too bad. You know, you never find yourself, at least for the small portion of the game I played, you never find yourself really scratching your head wondering what to do. But, yeah, the black and white aesthetic sort of... I, I had myself thinking... Oh, I'd love to see this a bit more colourful. But that's yeah. not the point. That's not the point. No. The point is it's made to look like an old samurai film. And it really does do that incredibly well. I mean, with the depths of field going on and uh, the, the clarity of the, the image and the effects that are on top to make it look like it's film um, and the lighting, everything could have come together. And it, it's a really nice looking game. I felt the gameplay itself was a little lacking. I was introduced to the combat at the beginning through a short tutorial uh, where basically you've got your attack on X and then if you press up, hold up while pressing X, you do a different kind of attack. If you hold down by pressing X, you do another kind of attack. If you press L, you'll block. If you tap L and then press X, you'll um, counter, basically. Yeah. Parry, counter. 
so so that that was um, at least at this point all the sort of moves that I had, and I eventually got to some combat, and I'd set the game on um, uh, not easy, not enjoy the story, which should become some sort of uh, yeah <laughs> slogan now because usually when you we're selecting difficulties, easy is always enjoy the story, yeah, and then the second one is you want to enjoy the story with a little bit of challenge, you know. Yeah. And so I went for a little bit of challenge because I was interested to, to get to the core of the sword play, you know. And uh, it did a, did a fight, and I can see it's okay. It's pretty basic, but it, it does its job. But it wasn't, like, hugely enjoyable doing the sword fighting, I have to say. Yeah. And then I started to think, well, is there really that much more to this than doing the sword fighting? And to be fair, I, I didn't play the game for much longer after that so i can't i can't yeah. really say but on, on a first impression gameplay wise there was nothing that interesting going on is, that's that's what i heard. yeah playing a very short amount of the game so i'm, I'm perhaps not being fair to it because i've not played it for any longer than 20 minutes so <laughs> to be fair to you though i hear the game is only roughly about three four hours long yeah. What what I have heard and why I've kind of stayed away from it because you know this sounds like my jam on paper. Like mm. I remember that. You trailer. like a samurai thing. I like a samurai thing. I like <laughs> Kurosawa. I like how that game looks. It kind of gave me like samurai limbo vibes when I was watching that trailer. I was like, okay, this could be quite interesting. But I and like that's not to say obviously it's just the 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 visual aesthetics of limbo i know obviously that it isn't a, mm. a grim 2d well it, it does have that sort of pushing objects puzzle element to it yeah but I, yeah occasionally i, I just want to i just want to correct myself not that we are going to get people going yeah but still um i think it looks really great but that's this is the common thing i've heard with it is that it is going so hard down that we are trying to make a video game that looks like a Kurosawa movie mm. thing that the gameplay itself kind of fell by the wayside. It's more a visual expression of art rather than them trying I would to do something interesting with the gameplay. My criticism is that it's the actual sword play didn't grab me. I didn't I was expecting this is a game built around sword play. This sword play's gotta be really good and really satisfying. Yeah. I found it quite difficult actually even on just the uh, normal difficulty uh, mm, there was an emphasis on creating space between your opponent it certainly wasn't a game that was saying you can just slash through flash, oh sorry I can't say that slash through these enemies you know yeah you really did have to apply some sort of strategy in a sort of bushido blade type um yeah way sounds like you were engaged in a real samurai showdown yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Get them all in there. Um, but yeah, Bushido Blade, I don't know, there's an atmosphere, there's a tension. You're so in close in Bushido Blade. Whereas in I found in Trek to Yomi, at least the first time you actually get to do some combat, you're so far away from the action yeah. that you really don't feel like you're in there. Do you know what I mean? And you don't yeah. feel like you're really, because everything's so small, you can necessarily time things as well as you, you probably would like to to do all the counters and stuff so i think when when combat uh, occurs in this game instead of like keeping zoomed out and keeping this beautiful looking uh, uh visual it should zoom i think for the purpose of gameplay it'll be much better to be closer when you're doing the fighting 
I would say. But then again, that would be at the detriment to the, the visuals because it's, yeah. it's, it's so scripted in terms of these fixed camera angles. It's saying, right now, we want to show you this. And what was interesting about it is in the foreground, it was like you were looking down, like you were inside a, a building looking down on the fight. And you actually yeah. saw little silhouettes of people watching the fight, from, which was beautiful. I mean, a yeah. really nice set for a film. This would be great. But for a game... I just want it to be more in the action. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, right? Like, that's great that they have that kind of stage stressing and everything else. But you could still do that, you know? Like, you could you could pan the camera in a way that, you know, like, when you watch a film, yes, you have large sweeping shots, but, like, when the action takes place, when, like, someone pulls a, a gun or a sword, you? You would, you're always more in there because you you want that feel to it and i mean that's why yeah that's why games do that like i'm trying to think what this could be like onamusha maybe <laughs> but even onamusha has moments where you're <coughs> a bit closer and i'm sure this will have moments like that later on yeah but it's very much scripted to be like at this point in the game you want to see it from this perspective so um yeah but like it sounds like they're putting the visual qualities and the aesthetics it does feel like that the gameplay and that's but, but Not really, I, I feel like someone who'd play this a bit more would be better to, to judge it than, than me, who was sort of like, nah, nah, what did I play after that? Uh, Dead or Alive 2? So, you know. Yeah. You <laughs> I always that, go back you to You wanted some... that close combat, and so you're like, yes, DOA. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm sad to hear that. I I want you to play more of it, because honestly... Yes, like, I, I think a game I really and... should... Yeah, because I think this is unfair. As I'm saying this to you, I think I'm being really harsh because I've done like one proper sword fight in the game and I'm doing my old thing of, mm, I don't immediately like it, I'll just play something else, you know. Uh, makes um, sense. Well, I but... mean, if if you want me to give you a very good example of why that is a bad thing to do, mm. um, I played a game recently and I admittedly I've played this game for probably about the same amount of time. I've probably spent about 20 minutes with it. Um, and it's got the longest title in the world, um, Pig Ship and the Giant Wolf, uh, which is a game that came out last Friday. It could be longer. It could it's be quite longer. Long. It's um, quite long. And essentially what it is, is even from the aesthetics when you see the trailer, like it is very much a modern Game Boy shooter. Mm. You know, obviously, you see in widescreen, yes, it takes things from where the genre has gone, there's some bullet hell moments to so, it. So you say, what, what Game Boy is this? Is it on the Game Boy? It is on the PlayStation 5 and oh, the Switch. Because, okay. <laughs> you know, the graphical powerhouse that is the Game Boy needs only the only the It could be a Game Boy Advance, maybe. Yeah, no, that would be great, honestly. It, it, it would feel right at home on the Game Boy Advance, but it is aesthetically like a Game Boy game. Um, it, it has no enjoy the story mode. There is normal and there is bone difficulty because the studio is called Pixelbone, which is literally a one-man dev house. I think he did have someone to do the music and a bit of QA, but generally speaking, this is a one-man You know what? This game. is a title that's really forgettable. Can you tell me it again, Matt? Pig Ship and the Giant Wolf. It is essentially a retelling of uh, The Three Pigs, which is why it is wow. what it is. That's um, And it is a title I had to write down. I, I think it is a bad title for is a pretty fucking good game. Um, it has, it wears its heart on its sleeve. It's very reminiscent of Sagaya in particular for the Game Boy. Um, mm. It even has, like, at the end of the levels, 
the way the bosses come into frame is by the, a giant wolf head with text around it flashing up and it comes in um, like a ghosted oh, version you, Okay, of it. I'm looking at it. When you say it's like a Game Boy game, you've actually specifically gone for the Game Boy aesthetic. Oh, no, like not only the aesthetic, though. The, the gameplay is so reminiscent of good Game Boy shmups. Now, this it's is a very original tight... game. It's like yeah. high-resolution original it's Game high Boy. Reg- yeah, and it looks amazing. Um, you've got your ability to change shots, um, like in some shmups like our type, where you can click the the trigger buttons to change between them. You've got a straightforward shot. You've got a shot that splits off in two, and then you've got a shot that shoots up and down. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really found much use for those yet because there's also a shield pickup that you can pick up, which gives you invulnerability for a couple of seconds. Mm-hmm. And then there's also health because your ship has three hits. And I, at first, was like, where is this on screen? Why can't I see it? Because I was so focused on the bullets, I wasn't really paying attention. Do you know what this reminds fact. me of, Matt? What? Airzonk. Yes, it's a bit Airzonk, but I, I, I think the Sagaya reference is honestly okay. the strongest. I'm, I'm thinking of the design, maybe the wolves. That, that was a bit Airzonk. Yeah, very no, angular. De- it's and, definitely and actually the got size that of chunky aesthetic. Yeah. yeah. But I also think that's a Game Boy thing, man. Like, I think yeah. the Game Boy has a ton of, like, sprites needing to be absolutely huge to do this. As I said, it is not... There's It's doing stuff, obviously, that the Game Boy wouldn't be able to do. Like, no, there's it's... some enemies you shoot and they blow up and, like, millions of small bullets fill the screen. You're like, ah! But it's well animated, isn't it? It is incredibly well animated. It's got a lot of heart. But... As I said, there are two difficulties. There's normal, which is like, hey, three ship, uh, three hits, and you're dead. You got three lives, and unlimited continues. And there's born difficulty, which is one shot, which it would have been on the Game Boy. Um, and I think a fixed amount of credits, which sounds to me like hell, because this is a very challenging game. The first time I put it on, I was like, oh, this is really cool. I really like this, but this is way too difficult for me, and I'm not going to invest the time in this. Mm. And then I came back to it yesterday with a fresh head, having been somewhat disappointed by Effie and going. You know, instead of playing Story from Seasons, I'm going to give this game another go. Yeah. I'm so glad I did. Oh. Like, I breezed, like, the levels are short and compact. You breeze through them, you move on to the next one, you've got Unlimited Continues. Much like a game by game, and a, a bit to my frustration, if I'm totally honest, is that once you've beaten a level, it doesn't save. So, like, it is like Sakaya or mm. R-Type on the game, where you need to keep playing. You cannot just go, like, right, I've done the first level... I'm going to come back to this another day and do the second level. Mm-hmm. Which is a bit of a shame. I think, you know, like, I get what you're going for, but at least put in some modern trappings to allow me to go, okay, like, saying that, I did just bring you through the first level without really thinking this morning, but it would be nice to be able to go, you know what, I would like to actually just start on the second level. I wouldn't be surprised if there are cheats in there as well. It's kind of got that feeling that I'm pretty sure there must be like an up, down, up, down, left, right, BA start thing to it to give me some extra lives. Actually, you know what I'm going to try and do? I'm going to try and use the cheats for Sagaya on the game point and see if they work. <laughs> but all in all, for a one-man dev team, I really enjoy this. And I, at first, like you, with Trek to Yumi, thought it was all about aesthetics. And I was like... I, I know what this game is about. I do not... I like that, but I don't want to engage with that right now. But coming back to it and playing it for, like, another 15 minutes yesterday just filled me with a load of satisfaction. Still hard as balls. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I I still did not reach the second boss. 
I did have one annoying moment where I beat the first boss for the first time and one of his shots hit me as he was exploding and then I died. And even though I got the achievement saying stage one clear, I had to go back to the start of the level. I was like, <laughs> fuck. But all in all, I was very, very pleasantly surprised. I think it's relatively cheap as well. I, it's yeah, not... $7.99. Yeah, definitely. I think it was like a fiver. I think I paid like 50 krona for it or 40 krona. Absolutely worth that money. Like I said, it is... Much like I feel that Tobu Tobu Girl in a game like that, which admittedly is running on the game, but I couldn't exist without a deep and love of that platform. I don't think this game could. So much so that when I get my Mac up and running, which, as I've bitched and moaned to you off mic, I can't do at the moment because of monitor issues, I might actually do a review for this for the channel. Mm. I'm sort of wondering, though, what it would look like if it was in full colour. I imagine it'd be quite nice. I imagine so too, but I honestly, that's not, you know, that's not the artistic choice, and I, I respect the artistic choice because I love Game Boy stuff. Mm. So there you go, Tom. I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. You're doing that with Trek to Yomi as well. You need to respect the the vision, man. I do, don't I? It's really good though. If you, like, Sorry. It's hard, but it's good. Cool. Yeah, that was so good. And Matt, you're doing a great job at pulling out these indies games lately. It's because I'm just bored of AAA. Like, I said this to you, we talked about it, like, watching everything everywhere all at once, like a week after watching Doctor Strange, while there are definitely things I like about Doctor Strange, I just I just like having something that is his own self-contained thing, it has a vision, and it goes for that. And I, I just find more interest and nuance in that when it isn't trying to be an advert for another thing that I have to watch. However, you know? Top Gun Maverick's great. Oh, Top Gun Maverick's so good. <laughs> and that is a franchise oh, it is, film. It is, just, it is just Top Gun 2, Tom. Like, yeah. It is exactly what you what you want going into that cinema. There's hijinks. There is a, a scene where they play a sport in like really... Mini golf. You know, yeah, no, I'm not going to say what it is. <laughs> but like, it, it's just good. It's just like... I went to watch it in the IMAX. It was the first film... I Bear in mind, I saw Doctor Strange in the IMAX also. Sure. Mm. It is the first film I've seen in IMAX where that setup made sense to me. Like, listening to the the flop of the cables as the plane is hitting the runway on a ship and stuff is like, wow. Like, they oh, it's really, one to see really, in IMAX. I've never yeah. seen a film in IMAX, believe me. Honestly... I don't really think there's that big a difference. I've seen a couple of films in IMAX now, and I'm like, this is all right. Like, I saw... The first film I saw was Infinity War, I think, which I was like, well, this film is all about spectacle. I'll see it in the IMAX. It was all right. Um, I saw Bond, the last one, that I've forgotten mm. the name of. No Time only, to Die. No Time to Die, which was all right. Um, saw Doctor Strange, and then I saw this. And this is the first time I've gone like, oh, I understand... If you make a film for IMAX, you make a film for IMAX. Mm. So I think that this is definitely one where they've gone in there and tweaked all the sound levels just right. And, you know, it's just good to be in a theatre and hear a jet engine and be like, oh, yeah. Wah! And do we hear Highway to the Danger Zone? I'm not going to spoil that for you. If that music kicked in, I think I'd go like, I, I will. I will spoil one thing. Hmm. Playing with the boys is not in it. Okay. What about the old Top Gun theme? 
Yeah, they, they might use that once or twice. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't expect to come out of Top Gun Maverick yeah. going like, right. you know We're what, Top Gun Maverick. We're going to go and see it at some point. You should. You should, yeah, Tom. definitely. Tom and Nomma Nomma Parry, you should. Yeah. Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, have I played anything else? You know what I've been doing, as I said, as I alluded to before, just been picking up fighting games that I like to play just lately. Dead or Alive 2, Street Fighter 2, <laughs> Virtua Fighter 4. <laughs> it must be a sequel. So Calibur 6? We're on So Calibur 6, aren't we? Yeah. We're on 6, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know what I like, Matt. You know, just dipping into them. Oh, I know what you like, Tom Parry. I mean, there's got to be... Oh, yeah, I did play the um, two Yu uh, Yu Hakusho games that I picked up for Super Nintendo. Yeah. Um, a little while ago. So that's Yu Yu Hakusho 1 and 2. The first one isn't a traditional fighting game, and it's more of a sort of uh, visual novel with first-person fighting segments. Weird. Uh, really interesting, the, the, the way the first-person fights play out. But I couldn't quite get to grips with it. And obviously, with the emphasis on written Japanese, uh, yeah. then I couldn't really play it. So if you want a traditional fighting game, do avoid that. Don't make the mistake I did. Uh, but the second one is, is a proper uh, fighting game. And there's um, a third one as well. Uh, I think there might be two versions of the third one. That One's like me. Yu Yu Hakusho 3 and Yu Yu Hakusho 3 Final. I think it's cool. Both for the Super Nintendo, I think. Don't quote me on that, but there's definitely at least one other one in the series. There's uh, there's four of them on the Game Boy, and they are pretty run-of-the-mill Game Boy fighting games. Okay, well, this actually feels pretty good. The second one, this is. So, um, yeah, if you're a fighting fan, you might want to try Weirdly, that. Weirdly, I think the Yu Yu Hakusho games, actually all four of them got a release in... China for some reason, like mm. the limited like Hong Kong releases of games. I think there's sixty in total. I think four of them are Yu Yu Hakusho. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it's mostly popular in China. I mean, like it was one of the biggest animes in the world at the time. You know, I mean, yeah. it is. It was what uh, say uh, what's the biggest one now? My Hero Academia. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the the guy who made Yu Yu Hakusho is uh, the hunter hunter guy. Which apparently I've, I've, yeah, but apparently you don't, apparently you don't pronounce the cross. You just say Hunter Hunter, which is ridiculous. Right. That's yeah, it, it actually, I just opened up the the Wikipedia page to get the guy's name, and it literally says at the front, it's like Hunter Cross Hunter, pronounced Hunter Hunter. I was like, why put the X there then? People are going to pronounce the X. Um, yeah. It's written by a guy called uh, Togahashi Yoshiro, um, and he is just coming off hiatus with Hunter Hunter, which. Yeah. But he, you're saying he did Yu Yu Hakusho? He did Yu Yu Hakusho. So he's he, an older man now. He is an older man. He is exactly, drumroll, 56 years old. Oh, he's not that old, I suppose. Um, and older. The interesting thing is, Tom Parry, did you know that he is married uh, to Naoko Takuchi? Does that name ring any bell for no, you? No, uh, it doesn't. No. It should. She's the creator of Sailor Moon. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, so I imagine they're doing all right for themselves. Oh, wow, they've got like a manga empire. A manga dynasty, <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, it was actually quite funny because I read a review, an interview with him, a review, 
I read an interview with him recently before it was revealed that he was working on four chapters for Hunter Hunter, where he essentially said, like, I have told her everything I want to do, and so, like, if for some reason I die before I finish oh, she'll Hunter, finish Hunter it. she is going to finish it for me, which is Well, nuts. he's got a lot planned then if he's only 56. Yeah, well... Unless he's terminally ill or something. No, (laughs) apparently the story is there. We're getting off tangent of video games. Apologies, folks. It's essentially he is... um, He has really chronic back pain because of how intensely he worked on those two mangas. Because he he backed to back Yu Yu Hakusho into Hunter Hunter. So, um, so Hunter Hunter's been going for years. Hunter Hunter's been going since 1990-something, I believe. Wow. Um, he, yeah. He did Yu Yu Hakusho, started in 1990 until 1994. He did something in between, I think, as well. But Hunter Hunter started in 1998 and is still ongoing. He's currently got mm-hmm. 36 volumes, but... What tends to happen with Hunter Hunter is because of his, how bad his back is, and how honestly I think he just like he loves that idea of working on that series. He's like, yeah, it's not worth it to me. Like if I feel the urge, I will. Um, he just kind of does stuff every now and again. I think even the last chapters that he put out, which I think at this stage is almost four years ago, aren't contained in a volume because they're like it's two just floating chapters, and he's going to work on another four now, which I assume means that they'll be collected into one bind. Hmm. But it's pretty good. Um, yeah, it, I I like Hunter Hunter. I started reading it around the same time that I started reading My Hero, and I think that Gon is a very likable character. I can see how he inspired things like Naruto. Because to be honest with you, fucking Hunter Hunter is Naruto. Like, right? They are pretty. The first three story arcs of Hunter Hunter are pretty fucking identical to the three story arcs of. Um, of Naruto. Right. Some might say inspired by, some might say derivative work, Tom. Who am I to judge? But Hunter Hunter is pretty good. Um, the animes are apparently also very good. Um, they end in different ways, from what I understand, because the series has obviously not ended. So, yeah, it's worth checking out. That's okay, Matt's cool. Manga Corner. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is becoming increasingly uh, prominent in our episodes. <laughs> It is, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's almost as if Tom Parry becoming less and less interested in video games. That's interesting, isn't it, in itself? Anyway, but that's in, in yeah, that's the whole of the debate, isn't it? Um, I think both of us will always enjoy playing video games and discovering new video games. But we're getting older, aren't we? And I think well, things you know are getting me. a little less exciting for us because we've we've seen a lot, and we've played yeah, a lot, I... and we've collected a lot. We have. So, you know, I think some people coming to the hobby now, I've, I keep seeing things on the internet like, oh, this is my first 20 PS1 games. What do you think? I'm trying to collect yeah. a physical collection. And I just thought that was really interesting. This person referred to them as a physical collection. Yeah. It's sort of like now physical collections, are sort of, you can play these games elsewhere. Yeah. But it's a thing getting a physical collection, whereas before it was just that was what you had to do to play yeah. these games but i yeah. mean this happens to everything doesn't it i mean like yeah. what we are probably seeing now and what that's probably a reaction to is probably the same thing as why vinyl is such a big thing mm. it's because 
when our generation started to download music or buy it from the iTunes store or whatever, <clears throat> Napster, um, we wanted to have physical versions of it. And while, yes, I did purchase CDs, I did reach a point when we moved to Denmark, so like 10 years ago, where I would just buy a vinyl. If I really liked an album, I would get the vinyl to give something back to the artist. And hopefully you'd get a download code as well, because you yeah. would more likely listen to it probably on your phone, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah. you know me, I had um, Random Access Memories. Is that oh, yes. the last Daft yeah. Punk yeah, album? Yeah, we played it on my record player a yeah. lot. I would just that that <laughs> w- like that was my I am just chilling out in the house album. As much as I love it, I don't listen like I tend to listen to music when I do work. That was my I am at home enjoying some Daft Punk record, and it yeah. still is. I still don't listen to it digitally, which means I haven't listened to the album for a long time. But oh, you're yeah, denying I, yourself some good music. No, there. It's, it's because I. It is the it is the one thing of me trying to encourage myself to get a nice vinyl setup. I got a good record player, as you know. I just need to get a preamp, and I keep putting it off. Anyways, that's another tangent. But I, my point being, I think people now love video games and don't just want to buy t-shirts and coasters and bags and figures. And <laughs> They've things. got enough coasters. <laughs> Exactly. Enough T-shirts. Enough if there's one, if there's one thing you know about those millennials, Tom, they're spending all their money on coasters. Um, I don't Do you know what I saw was. the other day? I just mentioned this quickly that I was in HMV and they have now, of course, a lot of merchandise as opposed to well, they yeah. have music, they have they have DVDs and, and Japanese CDs. sweets as well. But Japanese, Japan is huge in HMV, and what they've done with the Again, with the shonen manga, I suppose, yeah. is there these licensed uh, Japanese uh, like cutlery sets, like yeah, ramen bowls yeah. and uh, sushi plates and chopsticks. And there's the Dragon Ball one, and there's uh, My Hero Academia one, and all yeah. this. And I thought that that's interesting because now it's not like they've thought, what can we branch out into? Not just coasters, not just mugs, Japanese specific cutlery yeah. i was yeah. like wow okay that's that's fresh yeah i, I mean it, it's it's really interesting isn't it because i think the pandemic obviously saw lots of people reading manga because they had more free time on their hands and they were doing things and now manga is outselling traditional american comics from the sense of things to like 10 volumes to one like from what mm-hmm. i understand like marvel and dc are pretty much in trouble and manga is so in demand yeah. to the you can see it i've print I've been a few comic shops in London just lately, yeah. and uh, it it varies. I was in a big one in Camden the other week, and their manga section was it's getting quite small. Well, oh, it was you... getting bigger. You could yeah. see it. You know, half the shop was, and more than half the shop was traditional uh, Western comics. Yeah. Whereas, you know, you could see the manga section probably getting a bit bigger than you might normally be used to. Well, I mean, there is a whole shop now in Camden in Chalk Farm that is just manga. Like oh, the, really? it's big I enough. Yeah, I it was a bit of a. I think Chalk Farm is a bit of a, ma- a labyrinth, to be honest with you, because mm. I knew it was there because I'd remember seeing a place they sell like figures and stuff. But like one whole row of that unit is just manga. And there's lots of stuff there. It's pretty okay. good. We'll look into that. Yeah, but um, but... even Gosh downstairs now. Gosh used to have a tiny manga section last, like before the pandemic, and now it's a whole wall, like. It's just growing. It's just. It's definitely it's their it's their waterstones. <laughs> I mean, Forbidden Planet, like most of downstairs now is manga. Oh yeah, well actually, Forbidden Planet's a great example of a lot of manga, isn't it? 
they also tend to have like three for two on everything. Like, yeah. which I, I probably says to the profit margin on the manga, right? But like, people are going there, and like, I saw people walking around with like stacks of like 30, 40 bucks. And admittedly, I bought a few because I was like, well, it's three for two and they're cheaper mm. than Denmark. But yeah, it's, it's really interesting that that has come back around. So manga is at the forefront. And therefore, much like when we were growing up, I would argue, like 20 years ago now, you were starting to see more and more things. And yeah, people are realizing, yeah, not everyone wants Dragon Ball socks. I, I know I'm speaking to the wrong person when I say that. <laughs> but generally speaking, they're looking for other ways to merchandise. And I guess it's also through the cuisine and other stuff, which, to be honest with you, it's kind of cool. Because if That's you get scary. into like things beyond, you know, just... Oh, I love manga. Oh, I love video games. I, I'm reading my manga. Well, eating the sushi off a Dragon Ball Z plate. Exactly. I've got a, I've got some miso soup in a bowl, and I've thrown some cup soup. Do you know what's interesting about in it? And the I'm Dragon Ball Z one? I think it had. Um, now I'm gonna. I can't remember the Corin. You know the cat in, lives yeah. in the lookout. Yeah. He was on the ramen bowl, and I thought that was like a really interesting, obscure character to put on it. It's not Goku. No, but it's. I, you know why my cynical brain is? This is this is a male otaku, and they need to justify it to their girlfriends of why they oh, yeah. have put, potentially put, put a big a, fat put, put cat, a cat on, on it something. exactly, so it looks attractive, so you know what it is, but maybe your partner doesn't. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. Anyway, yeah, I I did on the other side of things. I went into a comic shop the other day in uh, where was I? Harrow on the Hill, and they had. Um, the manga section in a dark corner. Actually, it was like you come in through the door, you turn left, you go into the very corner of the shop. It's not lit very well, but that's where the manga is. It's in the, it's shoved away in the dark corner. Uh, so there is still sort of like that difference between, you know, the popularity of of Western uh, Marvel, DC comics, or whatever, yeah. and manga. So it's still there. But yeah, no, it's true what you're saying about there being a lot more, and I've seen it as well, more. Uh, I'm lost now. I think my podcast batteries have died. It's okay. The last thing I just want to say was, like, for me, right, like, I obviously I read a lot of Western comics. I'm now at the point where I'm like, I should just get rid of all my Western comics, bar the few that I have that are worth something. Because I I look at Western comics, and every now and again, I will see, like, oh, God, this one in Eisner. Like, this must be a very, very good graphic novel. I bought Mr. Well, there's Mir- a difference, isn't it? Yeah, but it honestly, like, I think the themes and stuff that you experience in comics, while they're even pushing it out there, like Mr. Miracle um, is the one I read recently. Like, it just, I don't know, there's a self-seriousness to certain comic books that mm, while, okay. I, while you can find in manga often isn't the sole purpose of it like mr miracle is very interesting it is essentially deals with the character who at the start of the book has committed suicide and then the rest of the book is him dealing with like having a, a life outside being a superhero but also whether or not he's actually still dead or not or whether he died and these mm. kind of things it doesn't really get answered but there's just like i don't know the well, it's more of an adult uh, subject matter, whereas it seems to me both you and me are enjoying reading comics with little boys. Yeah, but I, I see the thing. <laughs> In a way, think, adventure. I think the thing is, right, comic. Like a lot of shonen stuff, and even outside of shonen, like I, yeah. I recommended to you, Blue Period, hmm. is 
while yes aimed at like younger uh, older teens yeah it's trying to inspire something in people it's trying to give people a feeling of hope it's trying to be light-hearted and everything else oh yeah and i'm sure I that mean... exists within comic books but like even comic books like from what i remember like why i've always hated spider-man is i've always felt spider-man was trying to sell me the next issue rather than being a self-contained story and it's not yeah. to say that manga doesn't have cliffhangers but you can I think you can quite easily read manga, walk away from it, and come back. Whereas it's like you did that with Spider-Man. Sometimes, if you yeah. left like three issues out, you would have a fucking clue what was going on. Oh yeah, yeah, there is that. But I, you know, saying that a lot of this is written for for younger boys, it's it's still I think it's timeless. I mean, Dragon Ball is a good example. You know, it's timeless characters comedy action and adventure which would appeal to anyone of any age i think if they yeah still appreciate those things um i mean i i read like um, one piece yeah like a lot of the stuff on dark horse though like you're talking about jojo's you're talking about oh yeah jojo things... is 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 different isn't it because it's a lot more violent i suppose <laughs> i mean also berserk right like the yeah. first two things of berserk i was like oh god this is really like edgy for the sake of being edgy and i'm like well to be fair to this this is 40 years old at this point like jojo's it, fascinating because it's yeah. so sort of like camp kind yeah. of like campy sort of at least what i've read so far of it but it's 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 got a really good story and it can be really graphic can't it it can. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, JoJo's is very interesting. Like, yeah. Also, have you seen? God, we are making this a full manga podcast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end on this last thought. Yeah, we, we probably should wrap it up. Folks. Yeah, sorry if you came um, here for video yeah, games. <laughs> and then we've just been like, video games are crap. Read manga. No, um, no, not at all. But no, yeah. exactly. We Hopefully love. It doesn't games. come across like. Um, uh, Hirohiko. Araki, the guy who wrote Jojo, also wrote like essentially a book that deconstructs how he creates Jojo and what he thinks about when he's making manga from a visual oh, storytelling perspective. Yeah. It is one of the most cool things I have ever read. And for him, it is he is he is all about pushing boundaries. He is trying to tell new and interesting stories in different ways and trying to bring things that he observes within society like fashion to play a key role in the visuals and everything else it's really cool and like so this is a book what's this book called matthew for our listeners who might be interested oh my days what is it called um it is called <laughs> oh thank you for putting me on the spot i was trying Sorry. to scroll down the the wikipedia page and i could not see it it's Oh, here he goes. He's, he's, he's I'm, deep in I'm typing away, I'm typing away. It's called Manga Theory and Practice. Oh, that's a pretty straightforward title. Manga in Theory and Practice, The Craft of Creating Manga is the name of the book. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And let's be honest, Tom Parry, it's not for our listeners. It's because you want to buy it. Uh, I'm interested, yeah. I, re I read this and then I read Hideo Kojima's um, The Creative Gene immediately afterwards and was so disappointed. <laughs> Okay, um, oh yeah, I'll look that one up. Thanks, Matt. Uh, also, I can recommend the uh, Hideo Kojima's manga, uh, not Hideo Kojima, what am I <laughs> about? Just because you said it. Yeah. Um, Akira Toriyama's Manga Theatre. Oh, I, I saw that. His, it looked uh, amazing. Dragon Ball uh, stories. Uh, it's some yeah. Gogo Ackman stuff in there as well. Yeah, yeah, it's early. A lot of it's early uh, stuff. Some of his earliest uh, comics are in there as well. It's fascinating to see how he's developed also as an artist and a storyteller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a nice book. Yeah, I I should read that. God, we get 
if you want to hear us talk more about manga, maybe we we do a side podcast or something. Who knows, Tom? Because I have a lot to say on manga these days, which is ridiculous. But there we go. Um, if you do want that, you can let us know in a variety of places, such as on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Tom and Matt Attack, on Twitter at TMACast for the two of us, at Tom Parry 11 for him, and at Gameball for me. And you can listen to this podcast in a variety of places as well. It's usually about video games, and if you enjoy that kind of thing, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher, as well as blastprocess.com and tomamatattack.com forward slash podcast. And for, for those who haven't listened to us uh, much before, if you love Yakuza and Shenmue, we tend to mention them every episode, as we have done today. I mean, we, we spoke more <laughs> on it this week than I think we have in a long time. Actually, yeah. you know what? This is just reminding me that every time I get one of these games at the library and go, oh, video games, I need to play Lost Judgment. I still haven't played Lost Judgment. I'm going to go play Lost Judgment right now, Tom Parry. Oh, good. Well, enjoy. I will. And to you out there, thank you for listening to us ramble about the state of video games and our apparent impending midlife crises that are driven by Sean and Manga. And um, it's lovely to speak to you as always. We will be back next week because I will not be flying off to exotic locations and Tom will be here as well. So until then, everybody, be sure, as always, to read some manga. More importantly, to game on. Game on. Game on.